Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Limitless Broadcasting Network. What's your favorite scary movie? What's the boogeyman? You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? It's showtime. Hello, guys, and welcome back to You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Robbie. And I'm Sammy. And today we have a very special show for you. We have a very special guest. Who are we joined with today? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, Miko Hughes, uh, probably most known from uh, Pet Cemetery, Kindergarten Cop, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, a bunch of 90s stuff. 90s, yeah. I'm... Yes. Nostalgic. Very nostalgic. It's yeah. very cool to have you on. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming Absolutely. on the show. Yeah. yeah thanks for and, having me. And you and I met briefly at Spookala mm-hmm. in Tampa. Yeah. yeah. You had a very cool custom uh, Friday the 13th mask that did you, you made it personally? I you painted does. it. You yes. did. Oh, it's she awesome. Does. I love it. It's uh, with the Ninja Turtles. I got yes. the Leonardo one. You know, the thing about it is, is after you bought it, people would come up to us and be oh, like, goodness. you're missing one. They're like, you know, yeah, you don't have like this set. <laughs> and we're like, we know. We know. And someone bought it. Okay. <laughs> Somebody bought it. So we're aware there's four. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, so how was how was Spookala for you? It was great. Yeah, that's a great show. I love it there. Um, I've been, was it last year to the Ocala show? And then uh, they did like a little pop up and then back to Tampa. I haven't been able to be in Florida in a long time. So it's nice to finally come back and uh, mm-hmm. meet everybody in the area. So, how did you get involved with the Spookala show? Uh, a friend reached out and I uh, started talking to the promoter and, and he thought I might be a fit to come to the show and just kind of figured out the details from there. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, let me ask you, when people book you for a show, do they usually have to go through your PR or do they go through you? Directly. Uh, I generally handle things pretty direct. Uh, there's a few shows that if, uh, you know, there's some con managers that I work with uh, and, you know, if they get me into a show and, and, and it's success- successful, I'm more than happy to work with them. But I'm also pretty, pretty accessible. You know, if, if the promoter wants to work direct, uh, we can figure that out easily. That works. Mm-hmm. I think it's very cool that you were walking around oh, yeah, during the sure. show mm-hmm. because a lot of celebrities don't do that. 
Like when you're uh, a vendor at the show, we never yeah. see anybody. But this show in particular, there were so many of them walking around. You were, Bam was. Surprising. I thought we all did. I thought that, I mean, it's a cool show. Why wouldn't you want to see all the- That's how I would be too. <laughs> and, I was, and I thought that was like respect that mm-hmm. you were just kind of walking around. Mm-hmm. Do a lot Maybe of people- do a lot of Maybe people recognize you at the show? I can, I can enjoy the show without getting uh, bombarded. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's funny. I, 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 at conventions, it's fun to go pretend to be famous again because I, I feel very recognized there, um, just being in that element, I guess. But day to day, I think living in Los Angeles, most people know somebody that's has some you know claim to fame, whatever it might be. So right. maybe it's not as... Uh, as interesting to to most people or they just don't notice it as much so it's kind of nice to get the best of both worlds i can uh be normal most of the time and then go to cons and and uh have fun like that yeah yeah but i can see that yeah that's awesome are you doing any more horror cons in 2024 yeah well it's almost halloween so that's the season of course right uh, so that's when it peaks. I've got one more big one in uh, Brazil. It's Brazil. The first oh, yeah. been a long time. Yeah, really excited for that. Which one uh, is that? Uh, I, it's Brazil Horicon, I think is the name. I might have to double oh, check. Wait. It's like a photo on my Instagram right now. That's last yeah. like three posts. So oh, okay. uh, that's probably easy to find. But uh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that kind of worked out because a few years ago, there was a meme of my character on Full House that became oddly very popular in Brazil and Argentina and uh, Portuguese speaking countries. Um, because I guess there's a, a type of talking like a cadence. Um, you can just kind of change the way it's written and it becomes very sarcastic. Uh, and that just happens to work really well in, in Portuguese. So there was a quote from Full House that I said, and they took a, like a funny face I make in a certain episode mm-hmm. and they used that quote. And then it got iterated on like a meme. So you could just, you know, make your own version. And it got really popular, kind of went viral. Um, so I have a ton of followers from Brazil and Argentina and, and South America like that. Um, so this is the first time I've been able to go down there. And, and I'm thinking, you know, it sounds like that might be uh kind of cool like i have, uh, have a unique fan base there for, yeah, for wow, the so thing. Have, you yeah. might have answered this but have you ever been there before uh i've been to south america but never never that far south i think costa rica maybe was as far as i've gone i've never been to brazil or, or anything like that so i'm pretty excited oh, i think awesome. i should shot one of the fast and the furious movies down there possibly yeah yeah no idea so so yeah. let's go back a little bit so yeah. Your first commercial was a PSA and you were 22 months old. Uh, yeah, that's pretty close. I, I don't know exactly. I know I was 22 months old when I started and, and I booked a PSA. My mom would know the name of what it was for. Um, I don't know offhand, but yeah, that was pretty my, good. My first question to you is, did you always want to be an actor or did you want to do something different? Well, when I was 21 months old, I told my mom I wanted to be an actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we assumed that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Sure. No, I I had no idea what uh, it even, you know, I had no concept of it. I think Mm -hmm. it took a long time. Years later, it slowly, you know, came together. I realized what what was going on and how unique of a situation I was in doing those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So... You booked that, and then you. I knew you were in another movie with uh, David. I, I have it written down, but um, 
his name's eluding me, but then you got Pet Cemetery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I think Pet Cemetery was the first feature. I know yes. there was like a, a commercial, a PSA, I think maybe one other thing. And then Pet Cemetery was, was pretty quick uh, from yeah. starting. So uh, tell yeah. me the process and how you guys actually got Pet Cemetery. I would imagine it was uh, an audition where I met with the casting director and the uh, uh, director and, and whoever else. Usually first auditions are just with a casting director right, and then right. kind of go through everybody, pick some of the, the best top favorites, and then they call them back in and then they bring in, um, you know, producer, director, whoever might need to be there to, to start looking at people. And then uh, there might be callbacks. And then from there, they kind of decide. So I would imagine there was at least two or three rounds of that right. uh, but i don't remember specifically anything so i don't remember you're so young exactly how many there were yeah i do know that mary lambert the director uh she's told this story many times and my mom's repeated this to me too growing up that uh most of the time with kid actors they want twins because they can work more hours the younger you are yeah. the less hours you can be on set so if they have twins they can have one on set, you know, mom or dad can bring one in and then at lunchtime or whenever the timer's up, they bring in the other parent brings in the other one and they can get more work out of, out of um, uh, two people playing the same role. Uh, and in my case, I think they wanted to do that. That was the goal. Uh, it's, it usually is in film, especially with kids that young. But Mary Lambert really fought for me to the studios and, and to the rest of the team saying, that she knew she could get more out of me than any of the twins that they had seen. So oh, wow. I have to thank for <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. My, I know I'm kind of going to jump ahead a little bit, but your talking scenes in um, uh, uh, Pet Cemetery. did you have to dub it? Do you know how they got the Do audio? Do you know how they got the audio? Because you were uh, so young. Yeah. Like, I was they talking to her. That was all my lines. Like it okay, was so you said that. Yeah, yeah. I guess my, my mom said I could talk before I could walk pretty well, okay. mm -hmm. at least for my age, you know. Um, okay. I think near the end of the movie, when things go really supernatural and surreal, there's a few moments like maybe some more creepy breathing or uh, um, growly type stuff. Or I think they might have tweaked the laughter to be uh, a little more supernatural. Right. Yes, like, I assume. Yeah, kind of yeah thing, but that all of the speaking, then like, you know, anything you see me say, and I think on the phone talking to, that's all me for sure. So yeah. when he stuck you with a needle at like towards the end, you were like, that's not fair. Yeah. That's yeah. you. Wow. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Cause I was oh, like, okay. I, I was, we were debating, we were debating <laughs> like, oh, they probably did that in post or mm -hmm. they did that ADR somewhere because mm -hmm. he was so young, but that is super okay. cool yeah, yeah. Very and the was it was fake it had like a spring in the housing right, right. Mm -hmm. attracted so still was probably jarring to get a good reaction yeah. out of me even out of field something going on like that was like oh what, right. what the heck mm -hmm. um but it was you know totally safe oh yeah yeah, yeah i didn't course. i didn't yeah. assume that they stuck you with a needle it's like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> do you remember well, you were young at this time. Do you actually remember being on set with, or anything about with it? Stephen sure. King or anything? Not, not with Stephen King. Uh, with Pet Cemetery, it's it's a lot of uh, memories of memories because it's been such a big part of my life. It's been reinforced, and and the stories have been told to, to me over and over that I, you know, I have a good grasp on it. I think 
Um, but as far as literally being there, not so much. Oh, right, um, right. Else about being that age. Um, when I was maybe 16, uh, we were in New Hampshire, which is kind of close to Maine. And uh, it was filming like a small little independent movie. And we had the weekend off and we thought it'd be cool to drive up to Maine and, and check out the old locations. And we went to the house where we filmed. There's a real nice family there. They They let us come in and kind of see the place again. And I had this very strange sensation of being familiar like i and i couldn't tell you specifics it's like i couldn't tell you okay what's on the other side of that door right but as soon as soon as soon as i walked through it was immediately familiar it was like oh yeah this is like visiting a, a grandparent's house that i hadn't seen in you know 10 years or more um and it, it sounds silly but everything was smaller i guess because right. i got bigger you know it just seemed tinier than i thought but yeah it's weird mm-hmm. funny thing is is my dad is a doctor and we he went to the medical school university of new england in maine and we we were raised in i kind of was raised in in old orchard beach maine okay and so that's not far from where stephen king lives so my dad was a big stephen king fan growing up so my dad would read stephen king books when i was younger that's that's very cool that is definitely different from my dad but he, <laughs> did, he, he told me he got to meet him once because he was doing a residency in the hospital and he came in for some reason oh, so, wow. but that's that's my little story for little that little stephen king bit <laughs> so nice. do you remember like so you don't remember how it was on set or anything like that like was it scary or anything no i don't think i don't think it was scary um from what i understand they were really careful to keep me away from all of the the gore and, and anything that might startle me or throw me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the film was shot mostly chronologically as much as they yeah. were able to, which is pretty rare for movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least just scheduling wise, it, it often turns out just being all over the map um, just to be efficient, but they were able to keep it pretty chronological in this, thankfully. And I think that was also partially for my benefit that okay that being around everybody for you know it takes a few months to film the movie yeah. being around everybody i got comfortable i felt safe around the cast and crew it wasn't this big crazy strange environment with strangers by the time so by the time at the end of the movie when things get crazy and surreal and, and gory and whatnot i was comfortable working with you know with judd i guess my mom said i loved uh fred gwen who played judd and mm-hmm. and they would practice like when i bite his neck it was it was like wrestling they'd say oh play wrestle oh you got to get him get him and then oh bite his neck because they had they had a foam fake neck and they had a chunk cut out i don't think it actually made it into the final cut but mm-hmm. there was supposed to be i bite a chunk out and like sit up with the gore like dripping out of my my mouth and everything and uh, <laughs> uh so so I practiced biting this like foam piece this little puzzle piece cut out of a larger piece um and then i think you know the, the slowly introduced like the makeup and everything else and mm-hmm. so it wasn't and filming is totally different because editing and music is added that's what gives it the atmosphere yes. the of it and when you're there, it's a bunch of dudes, you know, smoking cigarettes and eating donuts and yeah. running cable. And yes, you, know, you prepare for those moments to kind of get into that headspace. But it, it's it's hard. It's very obviously like a, a work site, even if it, yeah. it looked you know, interesting or cool in this, in this scenario. For sure. Was it actually shot on film? 
Yeah, yeah, digital okay. is definitely. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that's so a bit. Long that's now. a bit before yeah. digital. So yeah. you guys had to actually set up, take time setting up the next shoot or shots for uh, lighting and everything. So lighting would take Forever. like two hour, two to three hours per shot. It yeah, it still does. Even digital lighting is kind of. I mean, depending on the shot, that that's kind of what takes the longest. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, the thing about being on a movie set is that you hurry up and wait. Sure. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. small bursts of extreme activity and then a lot of waiting. So you, you're only as fast as your, your slowest piece. And sometimes you have to wait your turn to do your work thing mm-hmm. you're assigned to do, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's a series of like putting the blocks in front of each other and handing it off to the next team to do their part of it. Right. So as long as, you're not, as long as you're not slow during your section of it, then you're fine. And then you can hang out for hours otherwise. Right. <laughs> hours and well until somebody else is shooting their scene Mm -hmm. did you you don't know if you well i'm sure you did this when when you were towards an adult but did you when you're on set do you watch people sets like when you're when they're doing their bit sorry like 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 other actors actors, like when um james gandolfini was shooting the sopranos you'd always watch edie falco's do her lines offset Sure. Yeah, if it's if you're in the same scene with them, yeah. Unless there's a weird situation where for space constraints you can't really be nearby, which often happens because you're in a regular house and then it's supposed to be four people in the scene, but there's right. you know, twenty-five people trying to make it happen, it gets really crowded. No, absolutely. Um, and with all the gear and everything. So but yeah, uh yeah, especially like if if so everything has to be shot multiple times. If right. it's over the shoulder on somebody else, you still want to be there off camera for them to give them because it's it's a lot easier to react than it is to just act. So you ideally want to be giving them the full performance off camera and hope that they do the same for you. Mm-hmm. There's situations, there's times where that isn't possible and that isn't the case. But uh, generally, yeah, that's that's how it's preferred to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you go to act? uh acting school like i know you kind of work in the business but <laughs> yeah growing up did you go do acting classes or improv sure. classes absolutely yeah okay. i would have different acting coaches that do weekly group classes or a lot of individual um like if i had a particular role it would be just working with somebody uh one-on-one developing whatever that character might be or, or going over the lines and planning the scene yeah yeah it's like any other job takes a lot of work for sure what what is your secret for memorizing lines um as repetition really a really not not repetition i mean yes that's like the finishing touch in a way Mm -hmm. um but and it can be there's different ways for me, it's so much easier to memorize a well-written script than a terrible script. Yes. That's because nothing connects properly in a bad script or it's not how it would be motivated or said or responded to in real life. So mm-hmm. you're having to like force this arbitrary structure that you're not used to as a person. Right. And yeah. it kind of makes sense. It kind of works when you're watching the movie, even if it's not the, the best script. But if it's really well written, it's natural. And if you know the character and who they are and what they're all about, then that is obviously what that person's going to say. So some of the best, I think, you know, call it memorizations or readings or whatever, 
are you don't necessarily know the exact words and some writers some some directors are very specific like it needs to be exactly as written because if it is well written there's no fat on it every word serves a purpose right but, but there's a lot of times i think some of the best performances that seem the most natural you'll say what needs to be said that moves the story forward what that scene is about you're trying to have this interaction between two people give and take and they're presenting different things that can all still happen. And the words you use to get there don't have to be the exact every time, but right. you're conveying the feeling that those people are going through. That's fine. So sometimes like if you'll have the exact script, you may, you may dance around it, but you get to the same, you know, same goal, the same right. end result. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even if you get, you get close to that and sometimes what will happen is you'll memorize it the wrong way and you'll keep doing it the same way, even though it's the same result. And then, then the memorization is like, no, get it, try to get it. If you have the time, get it exactly what it was, mm -hmm. but at least you can still complete the scene. Like Absolutely. if the feeling is there and it's, that's conveying, that's ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's important, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you shoot Pet Cemetery. Did you guys make it to the premiere when you were a kid? Probably. I don't remember. I don't know. I, I don't think my parents talked much about the Pet Cemetery premiere specifically, but I would imagine so because I know we went to pretty much all of them. Okay. I, I, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So what was your next job after Pet Cemetery? Like, um, I did a lot of little commercials and, and guest spots on TV shows. I don't have it all really memorized. I know I worked oh, a lot around that time. Yeah, sure. um, the, the next big one, like feature, was Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're going to get into that. <laughs> My next question is, you're, you're in a bunch of iconic horror movies growing up. Yeah. Number one, did you, guys, did you have a lot of nightmares growing up? Uh, no more than I think any other kid, you know, not, not like because of the films or anything. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming your parents fought for those roles. Like, oh yeah, let's put them into, you know, a new nightmare and all mm -hmm. that. I don't think it was their choice. What roles I booked. I think okay. uh, I would just audition for what's available and okay. it's right for the part and and the directors and producers thought so ultimately it's their decision it's mm, not absolutely. So my parents say yeah put them in the new you know blockbuster feature <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so since you brought it up how was kindergarten cop like how was, was being on set with arnold schwarzenegger yeah, he was super nice, uh, really, really kind and, and cool with all of us kids. Um, I was the youngest one. I think I almost didn't get a part on that one because they wanted kids older that were kindergarten age. And I was like a year or two behind. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I was definitely the youngest in the in the classroom. You you um, had the best line in the whole, whole, whole movie. <laughs> one of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's... It I worked mean out, thankfully. That's one of the best movies. Like don't, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a lot of iconic movies. For sure. But sure. I really, yeah. really like that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny, yeah. Watch it with everybody. Mm -hmm. to my knowledge, that might have been one of the first ones where after being such an action star, it was a little more lighthearted, but still played into the fact that he was this big sure. brute kind of guy. Mm -hmm. but that, that dynamic worked really well and the timing was good. But uh, I think that's why it became so popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
So you, so you go from kindergarten cop to Wes Craven's new, new nightmare. New nightmare. Sure. There, I think there's a couple of things in there, but yeah, that's probably one of the next big ones. Mm-hmm. How was that process to get that? You're a little bit older now. Yeah. How was that audition process? If you remember. If you remember. I do remember that because I was old enough to really start remembering stuff for longer periods. Um, yeah. It was cool. I remember I had never seen any of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but I knew the character. Freddie was very um, pop culturally like huge, even if yeah. you've never seen the movies. It was weird at that time. I think Jason was really big too. Yes. That, uh, Freddie had like a breakfast cereal. You don't really see that. There's no like jigsaw breakfast cereal these days. I remember that. Bizarre. (laughs) He had a TV show. He had like. Freddie had a TV show. Yeah, it was like a. He was just this character. He became kind of bigger than our genre, even though he was this serial killer. Uh, So I knew. I knew who it was, uh, and I was. I was really excited because I just thought that was so cool. and then uh, I remember when I knew I was going to look like I was going to work on it. I was, I was over the moon. And then I was like, I got to see one of them. Maybe I just at least let me watch the first one, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so I watched that and uh, to kind of prepare and stuff. And yeah, I was, I was really excited for that. How was it on set? Being around Wes Craven? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How was his process on set? Uh, he's very soft. He was very soft spoken and, uh, but everything he said carried a lot of weight. He was Mm -hmm. very, uh, focused, uh, very good at what he does. I think he's my favorite director ever to work with. He, he, every, most sets, there's a lot of stress, especially at the top. There's a lot of money, a lot of time and, and, you know, that, and that stress can kind of trickle down to the rest of the crew. If something's not going right, everybody's on edge and kind of freaking out. And it, it's a really high stress environment for, for something is, you know, entertainment. It's, yeah. It yeah. feels very high stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Wes's sets were very chill. Okay. Like we most, most sets, most productions often will go over budget or over time or whatnot. Uh, and, and, uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare finished on the day they plan to under budget. And so everything, and he works with the same people, you know, a lot of times the filmmaker will get their team because they know they do what they do well and, and they work together well. And, uh, it was kind of like a family and, and, you know, there's, there's so many puzzle pieces that, that some of that comes and goes and interchanges, but, um, he worked with a lot of the same people frequently and and that efficiency and, and comfortability really showed, uh, at least from what I saw and remembered. And um and it was so cool. Like, you know, all the all the effects and the yeah. cool set we got to do. That was uh was a blast. You know, seven years old running around hell. Yes. Giants <laughs> it was on Warner Brothers lot or something they had that built. It was it was really cool. So I'm assuming you weren't scared on set at all. No, there was one day they had a shot where uh, they startled me. They they had Freddie popping out and they wanted to get a good reaction. Totally valid. And, yeah. you know, I'm totally okay with it. And it's funny because we talked about this on the, the Never Sleep Again uh, documentary where they, they covered like every movie. And I talked to them for hours. And then like the only clips they ended up using 
one of the main ones was like how I, how I was scared. And like, uh, this, this one day, I think I really freaked out and I was like crying and like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like uh-huh. everyone freaking out thinking I'm going to like quit, you know, but I, I was seven. I, had a bad yeah. I think I, I think I had a moment, uh, through a little tantrum, but you know, as an adult looking back, it was my favorite out yeah. of everything. So I don't think it was that bad. Uh, it was on the whole, it was, it was really fun. When you're laying in bed and you're asking your mom to read you Hansel and Gretel and she's yeah. like, we're going to stop for the night. And then you repeat it word for word. You hit yeah. that hard. That was like <laughs> one of the best like mm-hmm. lines of the movie. Like you, you Thanks, were right man. there. Mm-hmm. Like I could feel it. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, when, I know a lot of people think kid actors are annoying in movies and I totally get that. So I appreciate <laughs> if it wasn't too, uh, too annoying. Thanks. No, no, no. I mean, you, you hit that hard. Like we, we w- watched pet cemetery again and Wes Craven's mm-hmm. new nightmare. And I was just like, that was one of the, that those were one of the hardest lines in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And so you did a really good job in delivering it and your eye movements and your tics and mannerisms, you hit it hard. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So, so how was working with, uh, Robert England? He's great. Uh, he's, I don't know if you, if you've seen interviews with him, that's exactly how he is. His, he has like this manic energy. Uh, he's an amazing storyteller. He, okay. His depth of knowledge on any topic is so much deeper than, than you would expect. Um, he can just, you can give him a topic and he'll just run with it. And, uh, just really fascinating, really fun, really great guy to be around. And, uh, that was an honor to get to, to work with him. Do you, sure. do you, do you talk to him today or do you still keep in touch with anybody from that set? Kind of a little, I, I see him at conventions mostly. Uh, but he's like, rock star at those things his line is yeah he has an entire room just for his line to get yeah. to the room where he is that, that zigzags you know so and then that line's coming out of that door down the hallway so he's usually very busy i try to chat with him a little every chance i get uh but it's it's pretty far few and far between but uh but it's cool we've got this like uh i'm happy to be a small part in his his larger family of everybody right. at the oh, home. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. So- I'm in the movie, you would have parts with Robert England, like as Robert England. And then when he was dressed up as Freddie, mm-hmm. sure. that pretty trippy on set when he'd come no, out. Because I knew it was fake. I knew it was a film. I knew it was a costume. And, and I would see him in the morning when we would all show up and he'd be Robert. And then he'd go into the makeup trailer and I might go in there, you know, they didn't have to do much to me. So it'd be pretty quick, but he'd be in there for hours. And I'd oh, see yeah. the whole process of him becoming freddy and uh uh, yeah so it was fun it was like you know he's my friend who had this cool halloween costume that we got to play in you know Mm -hmm. the funny thing is is this weekend we're going to spooky empire and robert's going to be there and i'm gonna we're going to be interviewing him for the show hopefully Hopefully. i I talked to his pr people and i said hello if you get a chance i know it's time he i'm surprised you didn't try to go to spooky empire yeah i mean i'm i'm always open to whatever shows uh want to have me and uh you know i happen to do spookala this year so maybe in the future you know i love florida people are always messaging me come to this part of florida come to that part of florida and i haven't been able to go there in a long time so now that recently it's just kind of worked out i've, I've been really thankful right, right, for that yeah. so 
Yeah, yeah. you know, whatever whatever gets me there, I'm I'm happy to come hang out. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you do New Nightmare, it comes out. How does that do for you as an actor? Like what does that do for your career? I'm trying to remember what happened after that uh specifically i think i don't know that new nightmare was a specific uh boost or or thing that happened afterwards i think it was a, you know a culmination of of whatever i was working on um but it didn't seem i think even at that time you know it was great obviously i was i was very happy about it but it it didn't feel out of the norm you okay know? It wasn't like now i'm I'm doing this crazy thing because I had kind of been doing it since I was two. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Um, right. I think I think I, I never really fully grasped how fortunate I was and then what I was going through until uh, things slowed down probably as I became an adult, you know. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So in your personal life, do you watch horror movies? Are you a big fan? Are you a big yeah. fan of them? Yeah. yeah. I just watched uh Skinamarink, that was really interesting. Uh, it's very artsy. Um, I could see it being very polarizing. You either love it or hate it. Um, is is yeah. They, they were doing some interesting things in that one. Talked to me recently. That was good. Okay, mm-hmm. I heard that. I've heard. I've yeah, heard we haven't to one. see it yet. But mm-hmm. have you seen It Follows? Yes. So that, that came out a while me. ago. Mm-hmm. If you like It Follows, I think you'll like Talk to Me. It feels similar in in a sense that uh i think it follows is is to sex and horror talk okay. to me is like drugs and horror okay they do the same type of like we're going to address this topic but give it this supernatural framing and like explore that idea you know that works okay yeah so yeah. did you ever want to be a part of any other west craven projects did you ever sure. try to <laughs> Uh, I know, uh, Wes and, and my family were, were friends for a time there where we were filming and, uh, we were always on great terms. I think, you know, he went on to do scream and everything yeah. after that. Did I don't know. Audition for any of those movies. <laughs> I don't think I was quite old enough for that. I was going to say, you're probably a little young though. You're right. Scream. Uh, <laughs> when it came out, I was probably eight. So yeah, probably not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I mean, back if, somewhere. If, the story, if the story had a character where it made sense, I, I certainly would have been open to it. But I didn't expect that because you don't usually work with the same cast, you know, as a director in every film. Unless, I mean, some do. Maybe Scorsese and Tarantino, and you know, they've got their favorites. Some of the big directors that work with the some of the real big names consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, oh, who's the other one? Let's. Edward Scissorhands, why can't I think of Tim Burton? Uh, Tim Burton, Tim Burton. Yes. Yeah. Helena Bonham Carter a lot and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it happens, but most productions are just, you know, you, you kind of pair up with a new team. Sometimes you'll you'll mix and match and run into the same, you know, person, whether it's another actor or someone on the crew. And and you know, it's it's a big industry, but relatively small. So mm-hmm. it happens, but it's not like you don't always work with the same person again, you know. Right, right. Right. Not, for any, not like for a reason. It's just, that's just, you know, the nature right. of it. Oh, the nature yeah. of the business. Mm-hmm. Do you like doing yeah. TV better or do you like doing movies better? Uh, I think they're both cool for different reasons, probably. You know, same with commercials and music videos or anything else. They all have their pros and cons, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So 
we have to get into Roswell now. Now, I'll tell you, I'm a huge Roswell fan. Definitely. Like, I will rewatch that even today. Like, yeah. I made her watch it several times with me. Yes. Awesome. And yeah. I, you were a skin in uh, Roswell. Yeah. So yeah. tell me the process of getting booking Roswell. Um, yeah, I think it was like anything else. Just uh, I got some scenes from the first script and went into audition and, and callbacks and then ended up booking it. And uh, I believe that was filmed on WB lot yeah, as well. WB. Uh, yeah, it was fun. The story was cool. I was really excited to be a part of it. I knew it was like uh really kind of hip at the time and uh super cool yeah aliens i i my character was fairly badass i think exciting alondra you were trying to date matt or that's right yeah i remember the story (laughs) and you were originally that in the script there was like a kiss that happens and i was like freaking out i was like stoked um because I was with like Catherine Heigl, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was I was significantly younger than her, and I think she was dating another cast member on set at the time. How does and that I not think, surprise me? Yeah, sure, understandable. But uh, I think I think uh, because of that, there was hesitation. I think she was maybe a little uncomfortable. She was like, "Okay, I get it." But at first, I was like, "Oh man!" When they took that out, I was really excited. Yeah, um, I still had kind of some like sexual tension, which was really fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind I of mean, funny. when you got on set, did the main st- cast like welcome you? Was it a welcoming? Yeah, they were very nice. Yeah, yeah, they were very cool. They, they were a little bit older, so uh, uh, we got along well. It, you know, I I think of course, anytime you're on a show where they have a an established cast, they're around each other all the time for you know years on. And so they get very close and you're kind of like the new guy, but, but everybody was very sweet and very, you know, we were all there to make the best film that we could, you know, the, the best project. So yeah, were you, it, was, it was an experience. Were you a fan of the show before you auditioned Have you seen it? it at all? I think so. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's kind of vague. Uh, I know. I, don't think I, I wasn't like obsessed with it, but I was definitely, I think I was aware of it because it, it had its first season. And I think I came in in the second or third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was certainly exciting. Yeah, it was yeah. You know, already out there. And so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. That's very cool. Do, yeah. you, do you stay in contact with any of those guys or any of those people from those sets? Um, you know, there the uh, Mahandra, who was on that show, she, I forget her character name offhand. Uh, she and I had worked on a children's movie called Zeus and Roxanne some years prior. Um, so that was kind of cool that that we had already known each other. And I think I might follow her. We might follow each other on like social media. I might know our parents had stayed in touch for a long time. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I haven't checked in in a long time. Uh, so I wouldn't say I've kept in touch. We're not like, you know, close homies or anything. Right, but, right. Yeah. yeah, there's there's some some distant kind of connections here and there. Out of all the projects you've worked on, movies, television, who yeah. is your favorite actor or actress to work with and why? Oh, gosh. Um, there's so many cool it's people. Like, I don't know if I can pick one, one favorite, you know, that there's maybe good experience and bad experience with, with 
a little bit of everybody, you know? I don't know. I'm going to cop out on that one. I don't think I can pick no, one. That's okay. Fair. That's a, That's a question. fair question. I, one of our fans from the from the show wanted me to ask you that question. So <laughs> I, I asked it for you, Keith. So there you go. <laughs> um, so you worked with Bruce Willis. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, uh, that was on Mercury Rising. It was yes. uh, a fairly big action film. That was a, a very fairly intense. Big. That was a huge production. action film. Yeah, that was a, a very intense production. Um, we filmed for many months, uh, Chicago, L.A. Uh, it was fun. It was it was intense for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe as far as like charactery stuff goes, maybe my most specific role, I think I studied months beforehand filming, kind sure. of making sure it was accurate. And Not sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I worked with a doctor in, in Chicago who's really uh, well-known working with autism and, and kind of, I'd already had a, a character pretty, you know, dialed in, I think from the audition process. And he just helped flush that out and make sure everything was was you know uh accurate to the condition uh so it's just kind of like refining it and yeah that was the fun one do you stay in touch with his family or anything like that uh with the bruce's yeah bruce's family or no no Um. didn't really stay in touch yeah yeah he was a very private guy understandably being such a big star you know we we had some good times on set but uh i was a little kid you know he's a a good man i don't think it's not like we were particularly close or anything i hear i've heard that when you get around bruce willis he's very soft-spoken so you have to kind of lean into him to hear him yeah i think that's fair I i mean he could certainly get loud when he needed to but i think his maybe speaking voice is a little more uh in that style sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah so when you were nine years old you produced two records oh yeah oh boy that fascinated me when i read that tell me your thought process on doing that one was self and I'm actually really embarrassed of it. I don't usually talk about it too much. Oh, you really, I I think it was about, super dope, though. You distributed it through your own company. I yeah, I did all of that. I totally it was. It was just you, yeah, yeah, just you. <laughs> you yeah, edited yeah. it, did everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think because I was, you know, working in film, and and they always say, "Oh, the triple threat: you want to act, you want to sing, you want to dance." So. I was taking classes. I was doing all these different things, and and I had like a vocal coach, and and then I was singing, and then they thought, you know, it was another way to promote or whatever, and they thought, oh, we'll do um, albums or something, right. and uh, yeah, they were like little kid like motivational songs. They're yeah. like super cornball nowadays. So, well, um, yeah, that was a, that was a blip in my history, I suppose. For the interview, I I looked him up. I mean, I I liked him. I mean. You were yeah. nine. You were yeah. nine years old. So I mean, what, what, what did, yeah. what did you yeah. expect? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a, a passion. <laughs> Maybe right. at the time it was, you know, fun or whatever. But uh, looking back, you know, you always have things you're like proud of or some things that you feel a little cringe about. So that's probably mine. And I hit the nail right on the head with that right. one. So, so let's talk about right. the awkward yeah, thing. You gotta earn it, right? I have no problem owning it. It is what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm sure you do thousands of interviews, but I'm all, when I do an interview with somebody, number one, I try to be rememberable. And number two, I try to find questions that you don't get asked a million times. Oh, yeah, that's appreciated. 
And so I try to bring up different things, like, you know, things that stick out to me. And that really stuck out to me. I thought that was really cool. You're nine years old. You're producing. When I was nine years old, I was not in the studio banging out tracks. And I, I mean, to be clear, I was I was being sarcastic before. It was definitely well pushed by my parents and vocal uh-huh. coach and like, here, you know, let's do something with this. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it worked out at the time, but uh, so I, nothing to speak of now, really. <laughs> I, I still think that's very cool. So big ups to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. So if you if we were to go into your car right now, uh. What Mess. what are you listening to? What, what oh, okay. music group are you listening <laughs> to? Where going with this. Uh, gosh, well, I'm going to the group. Yeah, I'm going to a, a festival this weekend uh, with some friends. So I've been like in a big EDM. I'm always really into EDM, but this mm-hmm. weekend's a big wave, so I'm like getting hyped for that. Uh, okay. uh, Darren Styles, uh, Sudden Death. Mm-hmm. uh who else it's it's kind of random i'm all over the place i'll hear something yeah. and then i'll just add it yeah mad mushroom or infected mushroom ah that, that's uh, a good mellow mushroom he's a guy that has the mushroom or the marshmallow marshmallow but, yeah marshmallow yeah, marshmallow. okay yeah. he's eating yeah, right? I like marshmallow. yeah and definitely. uh and then um dead mouse yep okay. yeah that's, those are yeah. some of the, the big mainstream ones yeah okay so yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a huge Nelly fan. Oh, I like Nelly. Yeah. So if you go in my car, we're either listening to that's, 50 Cent or Nelly or mm-hmm. T.I. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. that, if you're ever rolling around with me, that's, that's your probably choice. Nelly. Yeah. Probably Nelly. Because we just saw yeah. him probably the other day. I have a friend that is a, his, his promoter. Yeah. And he came to a club. He did like 30 minutes, then bum- bumped out. Yeah. But it was a great was show. Fun. I thought it was fun. A lot of fun. So what is life for you like now? I mean, do you get recognized a lot when you go out or? Not particularly. Sometimes uh, I think, I mean, I'm a grown man. I look very different. So I'm always shocked when people recognize me. I think most of the time when that happens, they know what I look like now. So they're able to. It's not necessarily directly from the films. but uh, yeah, I still work in film. I took a big break. I had like family drama that pushed me away from acting. And and like most kid actors, you know, puberty and the transition into adulthood can be kind of rocky. And I was going through a lot of family stuff at the time. So uh, I, I just wanted to be normal for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I, just, I took a step back and, and did a lot of uh, odd jobs here and there and uh, floundered for a while, kind of trying to find myself. And uh in recent years, I've kind of come back to it. Just I realized I feel very comfortable on set because that's where I grew up. But I don't necessarily need to act. I don't have that 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 drive that I must. You know, right. it is fun, and I have dabbled in it here and there. I'm I'm open to doing more, but uh, it's been nice to kind of just come back on my own terms. And uh, so I've been doing camera department stuff. Uh, oh, really? Long. Okay, that's cool. I can talk yeah. to you about camera stuff all day. Oh, that sure. You're yeah. speaking my language. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So mm-hmm. I, you were on full house. I got to bring this up to you as well. Are you going to go on to the new um, Tannerino podcast? Uh, oh, I haven't heard about that. No, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jody I'd be Sweden and uh, uh, Barber. Yeah, Andrea Barber. Andrea Barber have a new podcast and they're, yes. re-wa- they're rewatching full the whole, house. Yeah, the whole series. That's great. So do you think they're going to ha- reach out to you and say, hey, 
Could you? I have no idea if somebody wants to suggest it to them and they're open to it. I'm I'm more than open to that. That would be cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were you had a very big character in Full House, so yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so do you do you hang out with a bunch of Hollywood people now that you came up with? A uh, bunch of bunch of Hollywood people. You hang out with a bunch of Hollywood people, like no, stars and actresses and people that you grew up with in I the have, business. I have friends that are that are in the industry that are actors and actresses, and I have friends that are you know crew and camera and whatever else, and I have friends that have nothing to do with anything remotely like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think being in LA. Yeah, you're always going to touch on it a little bit, but uh, right. I, it's not about hanging out specifically with <laughs> actors or something like that. Keep in mind, all these questions come from fans, and so I was like, "All right, I'll throw it in there." I fully, I fully understand. Yeah, so, I get it. Is there anything else you want to add to this interview that I didn't ask you or I didn't? Um, touch on? I don't know. Yeah, well, recently I did, uh, I haven't acted in a while, but one thing I did, uh, if, if you guys want to check it out, was a, a fan film that's a continuation of New Nightmare. It's unofficial. It was totally funded on Indiegogo. Um, mm-hmm. It's a short film. Kind of ends on a cliffhanger, but the idea being, if it, you know, if it does well, we could always do more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's called Dylan's New Nightmare, and that's on, on the Horror Show channel on YouTube. Okay. So, oh, on my Instagram and so you guys can, yeah, it's just in time for Halloween if you want to watch something. Yeah, we'll check that out. If you like the original, mm-hmm. I liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I thought West was great. Like I'm, you know, you think of Wes Craven and he's a director, but in this one you get to see him direct and act, and that's what I liked about that. That whole yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, the meta thing maybe was ahead of its time. You know, it's popular yes. now, but I think at the time people weren't quite sure what to make of it. Yeah, and and you can tell too in New Nightmare he was exploring a lot of those ideas that he flushed out in a different way. Right, um, meta sense to do in Scream, which was his next, his very next film. Right. So, yep. Are you a big fan of the Scream films? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We watched the original recently this season. Mm-hmm. My, uh, I watched that when I was 12 and my mother let me do that. My dad had to freak out like, oh, I can't believe you let him do that. But that's yeah. when I fell in love with horror movies. Mm-hmm. That was the very first time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of an indirect question. What do you think about what's going on with the strike? Yeah, uh, I know the writers' stri- strike ended. The the SAG the SAG is still striking. It's interesting. It feels like I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm jaded at this point. Uh, I'm hopeful, cautiously optimistic. I I hope you know everything works out best for for the actors and the crew and the writers and everybody. I think I think for a long time you know things have been structured poorly. Yeah, uh, I'm hopeful that that can improve. I, after the last few times that they've landed on the contracts that they land on, yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily optimistic. Uh, yeah. or I am opti- cautiously optimistic, but I'm not expecting it. I guess that's yeah, what I, I should. That's the so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I would just be happy to work on something again, and then yeah. <laughs> figure out oh, the rest sure. from there. Like, yeah. I'm only recently kind of dabbling in it again after doing this fan film. So, 
you know, if if I if I had to worry about a SAG contract, I'd that'd be a good problem to have. So yeah. Do you know what mo- show person I think you should work with? I think you should get a hold of Jack Osborne and okay. work with because he's doing this whole paranormal stuff. Are you? And he goes to these haunted locations and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, he goes ghost I, hunting, ghost hunting, Bigfoot hunting. I think you'd be know. great on that all show. All sorts of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I could, with your vibe, I could see you guys meshing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'd certainly be open to a conversation, I suppose. But yeah, I, I was, I was just, I'm a big fan of that kind of media, and I was like, you would be perfect in that. I'm not, I'm, I'm surprised you, nobody's put you in a ghost show yet, and it's not a SAG thing, so you don't have to worry about that. So mm-hmm. we'll figure it out, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. You have anything else to add, or you you good? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Absolutely. We appreciate thank that. You for having me so much. Yeah. Until next time, guys. Remember, like, subscribe, leave a comment, mm-hmm. and until next time, stay spooky. Stay spooky. You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast is produced and hosted by Robbie and Sammy Brooksby as part of the Limitless Broadcasting Podcast Network. Post-production and intro by Sammy Brooksby. Follow the show on Instagram at BoogeymanPod. You can also follow the Limitless Broadcasting Company at Limitless Broadcasting and your horror hosts at Robert1950Studios and at The Samalam. We also have a TikTok at 1950Studios. Email your creepy comments and spooky suggestions to us at boogeymanpod at gmail.com. Don't forget, everyone is entitled to one good scare. Have a horrific week!